Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Debro. We've got a jam-packed show today. Football in the last week or so have gotten three commits in the 2024 class. And as of this recording, added a new grad transfer defensive tackle. So they've really been cooking. On the basketball side of things, Steve Forbes got, I think, an important commitment over the weekend. Uh, we'll see. We'll look into him. So we'll look at take a look at Drew Harris and kind of go from there. And finally, we will be doing another edition of the Demon Deacon Digest mailbag. If you don't know what the mailbag is, for our VIP subscribers on demondeacondigest.com, I'll probably open it up every couple of weeks or so, throwing as many questions. It's going to be about football, basketball, baseball, tennis, what life help, whatever you want. I'll probably pick 10 to 15 questions. So kind of try to rapid fire them as much as possible or go in depth if I need to go from there. So if you're not a VIP member, hop on there, get get access to the mailbag. A lot of fun. Before I start this, I want to give a massive shout out to the baseball team. The Diamond Deeks had a massive sweep this weekend over the Miami Hurricanes. It's really been impressive to see them really grow up in front of our eyes this season. They were supposed to be a good team, but they've really established themselves as a top two team in the country and maybe have a good argument to be the number one team in the country. They were doing it with pitching, they're doing it with defense, they're doing it with hitting. I thought Saturday's game was really impressive in terms of just, you know, they didn't win 11 to nothing, that they sat there and they grinded out a win. They, they you know, they had some struggles, but they didn't let it get to them. And I thought that's really impressive and a hallmark of a good team. See if they can keep it up over the rest of the season. But I think right now it's been all signs are very positive. You know, kicking things off with football. Like I said, three commits in the last about week and a half or so, uh, two weeks, I guess, at this point. So first off, Luca Puccinelli. Uh, he's tight end out of Richmond, Virginia, offers from Boston College, Duke, Liberty, Rutgers, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, and a few others. 6'7", 225. Love that size. Insanely good athlete as, at a t- as a tight end. Uh, he, When you watch his tape, it jumps out that he is one of the more athletic people on the field. Nice speed. Uh, good. Yeah, he can jump high. He's a very good, he's good, very good basketball player as well. So I, I think it translates not just him playing some type of bad competition. I think he's just an athletic human being. One question I have about him is his hands. I've heard some good, some not great things about his hands. Not so much that they're just stone, but just the fact that they can be inconsistent at times. That's something you can teach. Uh, he does let the ball get to his body a little bit much, and that's something he's got to work on. You know, it's something that just high schoolers have to deal with in general. So I'm going to be very interested to see, you know, how that progresses through the summer cycle and as well as his uh, senior year. 
So he's someone that you kind of take and figure things out as they go. Uh, you know, I guess at 6'7", 225, you know, he's still growing. I don't think it's a not a long shot, but I think it's something that you just kind of keep as in your little bit of a back pocket. I mean, at 6'7", 225, he's probably going to have to put on 15 to 20 pounds regardless when he gets to college. You know, you kind of see what happens when he adds that 15, 20 pounds. And if the hands don't really work out there, he's a very willing blocker and very aggressive off the line. You know, if he can if he can add that 15 pounds and it's like nothing to his athleticism, but the hands aren't there, you know, do you make a look and see like, hey, can you you want to slide into an offensive tackle position? I mean, does he hit six eight? Does he like price himself out of being a tight end? We'll see. I mean, like I said, well, he will come into the to Wake Forest as a tight end, and then you just kind of see where his body takes him from there. And I think that's a really solid pickup. Secondly, Josh Harris, how you Josh Harrison? Not a huge list of offers, and yet 14, and most of them were. G5 teams, App, Coastal, JMU, Missouri, SEC School, um, Old Dominion, fearless from there. He's coming off a season where he had 11 sacks to go, 58 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, 13 hurries, pass deflection, fumble recovery, and a forced fumble. He was all over the field. He is, I think his pass rush moves are, are great, but I think his motor is Jasheen Davis level type. If he just keeps going and going and going and going. I think one of the biggest positives about him is the fact that he hasn't played a ton of football. While it, it can be a little bit of a deterrent because, you know, he's not as polished as some people would like for people, for guys at the stage at, as a junior or as rising senior to be. So just a little bit of a backstory for him. He tried football his sophomore year when he moved to North Carolina. Instantly stood out and they actually started him out at as a middle linebacker and did well. But after that game, they were like, you're great, but let's move you down to the defensive line. Put him at defensive end. Absolute, absolute standout. Bad part is after the season in December, he found out he had torn ACL and had been playing on a torn ACL for a few months at least. Got it cleaned up, but he wasn't cleared until late June, early July, I believe. So he missed the entirety of the camp season for his grade. And that and that rising sophomore camp season is usually where people are trying to look at you, but whether it's recruiting sites, coaches, et cetera, and say, hey, okay, look, Growing still would see what help what you can do against different competition. And you missed that. He missed, you know, during the spring, also coaches with that January, February range, coaches are allowed to go to high schools and evaluate kids and see what they look like. And he can't really do anything because he's sitting here with the torn ACL. So, you know, the, he was a pretty hard eval for a lot of schools. And I remember talking to him a few months ago and you saying, yeah, coaches were definitely hesitant on me and they want to see how I got through this season before really approaching the offers um, or even any type of offers from that wake was one of them but at this junior year he popped off and i thought that you know wake wake thought he he deserved the offer and they were very high on him when they saw he could be healthy and it's you know it's a, it's a fair question a junior in high school already dealing with a knee injury and while acl tears can be fixed pretty quickly at this point where modern medicine has evolved it's still not something you want to see it's like will that be a problem for you going forward but it didn't seem to be a problem for him this season. He played against some great competition. I know he did very well against the uh, left tackle of Providence Day, David Sanders, and number one overall prospect in the 2025 class. That kid's a hoss. Did well against him. Honestly, if this if if Harrison had been able to camp this junior year uh, and visit more schools, I think he would have been a candidate to absolutely blow up on the trail. So I think this one was a good one for Wake to really lock down. Last out of the high schoolers, Tayshawn Bernie. Bernie is a Tampa kid from Carrollton Day. Uh, he is an absolute burner. He's not your fast. He's not your tallest guy, but he's fast and he's he's a sort of sticky guy. Uh, he has a, a 
personal record of 1106 and 100 meter, 2278 and 200 meter. Offers from Duke, Pitt, USC, Utah. Again, I, and offers don't mean everything, but I think you know offers and by USC, I mean uh, South Carolina. These are all teams that usually have pretty good corners, and so they identified him as one. Wicked Wake, as well. I honestly think he's one of my favorite prospects that they went after. You should start out as a nickel. They like him as a guy that can play, you know, inside or out, but they're going to start him out as a nickel. Uh, position of need, really good player, really good athlete. One thing kind of a peek behind the veil here a little bit. Uh, Brad Lambert, I mean, uh, yeah, Brad Lambert was the main guy on him, not just Chip West. And, you know, I think that's, people might think that's kind of weird because you think your cornerbacks are just going to handle both corners and the nickels. But I, it's really kind of, what I've kind of noticed is, especially when it comes to recruiting, the Lambert has been, very much leading the charge on the nickels, which is fine. He's the defensive coordinator. While you don't want him to be super, super, super involved in recruiting, though the coordinators usually aren't as involved. And that's why your offense coordinator is usually your quarterback recruiter. They're usually just, hey, I'm here to get my quarterback and then you'll kind of help out where I need to need to here and there. But a lot of their job is focused on you know day-to-day play calling and kind of in scheme. But that's why you usually have them recruiting certain areas that you probably are taking one guy at. And then kind of letting them hang out everywhere else. But Lambert's been the guy for court for Nichols. And uh, when talking to Bernie, he was very high on talking to Lambert and thought Lambert was the guy to get him where he needs to go. So an interesting point on him was that he was actually supposed to take a visit out west to the real USC until he committed to Wake on a Friday and called it off and ended up committing to the Dean Deacons. So I, I really like where this class sits right now. They are sitting seventh, I believe, in the 24-7 sports rankings. And, you know, part of that is because of how many guys they have in the class. They've got nine guys. But when you look at everyone who's at the top right now, Georgia at number one with 11 commits, LSU at number two with 11 commits, Michigan at number three with nine commits, Notre Dame has eight, Florida State has nine. So out of the top seven, six of them have more than eight, have eight or more commits. Uh, Number six is South Carolina, who has five commits and that rankings there. And it's, it's fair. Now, I don't think that Wake Forest is going to sit there and stay at a top 10 ranking, especially because I think it's going to be a smaller class. I don't see it approaching the 20 they got last year. There just aren't enough scholarships as of right now coming off the books. But I think there's a lot of quality in this class. I think right now they're sitting at about an, just under an 86 in terms of average uh, class size, uh, average class size uh, average. So they're, they're rating average. And I think that's where you want to sit if you're Wake Forest. You're never going to be sitting in that pool where you're going to sit there and be pushing like a 90 or higher in terms of the average. But for a program that's going to be as developmental as them, they need to have these solid kids that they're just going to take diamonds in the rough. And I know Bernie isn't rated right now. They're going to be guys that are going to be rated or maybe rated a little lower because they played not great competition. They're a little, maybe might be a little undersized. But I think the level of talent is that they're recruiting is definitely taking an uptick. And it's not just the numbers for them. You know, I can scroll down and look at a team like, I don't know, uh, Minnesota. Minnesota's sitting 25th right now with five, I was with eight commits. Now, granted, a few of them aren't rated, but, you know, it's not just the fact that Wake Forest has nine commitments that they're so high. I think even still, like when these things kind of even out, they should probably sit around. I think at the end of the day, they'll probably sit around top 40 or so, depending on how the rest of the things shake out. Uh, there's still a long way to go, but I think this class has very much been a, one that has caught a lot of people nationally, like, hey, like it's not just numbers games for Wake. They're getting a lot of proving contributors at a bunch of power powerhouse schools. I think that's been really good. I think they got Camden Hardy from Atlantic Coast, really good player. 
very he's like got a pedigree his dad was a Buckus award winner uh, i believe was a first round pick as well so he's got some pedigree there jeremy hecklinski the quarterback who plays at walton plays nothing but top competition whitman whaley's uh i think an athletic freak he that really like like that picked up darius jones from saint francis academy powerhouse school justin terrell defensive tackle from rome these guys play against really good, either are on really good teams or play against really good teams. Carol Wood Day for Tayshawn Bernie. Uh, they play a bunch. They're usually a, a team full of really high, highly recruited guys. They usually play well. Andy Jaff at Clearwater Central Catholic, I believe they made it to the state finals this year. Like these are these are schools that are pumping out good kids. And it's not, they're not just finding kids from these random walks away schools. And I mean, there are probably one or two or three that happen in this class that just is Dave Clawson way. But they there's pedigree to these kids, and I think Wake's done a very good job jumping ahead in this recruiting cycle. So I mentioned that they did get a defensive tackle prospect, uh, excuse me, a transfer. Uh, Nick Helbig from Wesleyan stands at 6'2", 275. This one's going to be a lesson in what are your expectations for people. I could be completely wrong on this guy. And if I am, cool, great. My expectations for him are to be a solid death piece in terms of just the defensive tackle rotation. This team lost a ton in terms of defensive tackle. They lost Deion Bergon. They lost Tyler Williams. They lost, uh, they lost Kobe Turner. They lost Bernard Gooden. Like this team is very, very, very thin at the defensive tackle position. They got Bryce Gagnus, but Bryce has been a little banged up the first couple of weeks of camp. So we haven't really got to see a whole lot of him just yet. When he's healthy, I think he'll actually be a starter. But you're really just at a point where you have a guy like Kevin Pointer, who's great, and that's that's going to be one of your starters, but you don't really know what you have in Gagnon's just yet until you get him in pads. Justin Williams was supposed to have to like come on after the COVID season, and the last two years has really just been a non-factor and buried on the death chart. Isaiah Chaney, love Isaiah Chaney, great guy. He's been injured essentially his entire career. If he's healthy, his size and athleticism is great for that position, but you still have the question, can he stay healthy? Then you have a couple of freshmen. You know, they really just don't have any sort of depth there. And I think that's a big part of getting hell big. Like, yes, I think you also want to always want a bona fide starter. But at a certain point, like, you need people to eat snaps. <laughs> like, you need people you need people to eat, just eat snaps. And I think Hellbig comes in and is a guy that can eat about 20 to 25 snaps a game. He's not going to be your starter probably unless he pops off. If he does, great. But I think when you look at the tape and you talk to people like I did for when Rackery committed and the one thing that pops is just, he just should not have been playing at that level. When you're a guy that is a three time all conference players and you've only played three season and not just all conference, he's three time first team. Like he has been in the upper echelon of that conference since the day he stepped foot on that campus. He probably should not have been playing at that level and you know that i'm not saying he should have been playing at a high p5 level or, or starting at a high p5 level but i think as a death piece absolutely he should i think he should be a starting g5 guy or a death p5 guy i think that's about where for a death reason i think that's I think that's great i don't think we need to always shoot for the stars but i think you can shoot for the stars but i think he's a guy that you you'll be okay with when he gets on the field 26 games played, 127 total tackles, 72 solo tackles, 35 and a half tackles for loss, 21 sacks, seven forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and a pass deflected. Like this kid, he's good. He was a two time defensive player of the year on a team. I know the team wasn't exactly great for Wesleyan. Their defense was 
It was good. It was a really good defense. I can't say I sat there and watched every single play of, of Wesley and Zephyr, but I mean, just kind of digging through stats statistically, that was a very well, very well put together team um, defense for Wesley. And so I think he's fine. I think he'll be a solid piece. And then we kind of go from there. If he ends up growing past that, great. If he doesn't, then I think it's still worth the scholarship. Kicking things over to basketball. Juke Harris, a wing from about 40 minutes up the road in Salisbury. Highest ranked commitment to Wake Forest since Chani Brown committed in the class of 2017, which feels weird to say, but I mean, just look at him just from 24-7 sports. 50th ranked nationally, number 10 shooting guard, 7th in the state of North Carolina by the composite, 45th nationally, 9th shooting guard. Kid is good. Uh, his final three were Wake, Tennessee, and Virginia Tech, and I believe it came down to Wake and Tennessee. Also had offers from Charleston, Georgetown, Houston, Illinois, Kansas, NC State, St. John's, Texas A&M, Virginia. Like this, like he had VCU, he, he had off, he had, he had offers to go wherever he wanted to go. Juke is good. I think Juke, I think Juke put a, I think Wake, Steve Ford put a lot of effort into Juke. Not saying he didn't for a lot of other guys, but I, I think this is the, this is the guy he put more time into than anyone else that he has at by a mar- wide margin and it paid off here you know I, I think that you know just looking at how Harris what's his strength and weaknesses I think he's a very prominent guy like attacking off the dribble he's a he's got some great size to him I think he's sitting I, I know he's listed at about six four or so I think he's about six five six six he's he's not exactly a point guard or a common guard he's he's a quote-unquote big guard but he's a guy that's probably going to end up playing on the wing more often than not, which is which is great. I mean, his size, his size is great. He can get by defenders really well. He's he's fast. Uh, he's he can do more than just tackle the dribble. He can he's not afraid to shoot. He will shoot. But I think the best thing about him is the fact that he's adept at scoring at different levels. It's not just if his shot's not falling, it's just a bad day for him. If his shot's not falling, he's going to figure out how to score 25, 30 points some other type of way, whether it's getting to the free throw line, just getting to the rim in general, maybe pushing into the, some mid-range jumpers. Like he's able to score at every level. He's able to keep opposing defenders off balance. Um, he's, he's a, sh- he's a shot maker. Like he, he knows how to get into his bag and score. I think he does need to get a little bit stronger and he's definitely strong from, for what he is right now. He's got a pretty good frame. I just think it, you know, being six, five, six, six, dealing with the type of players he's going to have to deal with, especially year one. So I think I never really have expectations for, for a freshman, but I think with a guy like Drew Harris, you're going to sit there and be like, Hey, what can you give us? It's not going to stop us from recruiting other people, but you know, what can you give us? And if you, if he's able to sit there and add a little more muscle to his frame, and his frame should be able to handle it in terms of like both on the, on the defensive side of things and saying, Hey, don't get pushed off your spot. And also from the offensive side of things and be like, Hey, can you start trying to bully people like you were doing in high school? It'll go a long, long way in terms of, in terms of this, in terms of him being a year one or year or yearly a year one player. I think he'll definitely be a year two player, but in terms of hitting a ceiling, it's got to get a little bit stronger. And I think just kind of keep expanding the bag of, of ways to score. I mean, you think you can know how to score at every level in high school. Everyone knows how to do that. And everyone knows how to stop at it at the college level. Let's see if you can do it against these college kids. I think he can. But I think as he grows and there will be a whole we got a whole year of him playing in high school before he gets in before he gets into the old golden black. So he's got another year of 
AAU this summer and he's got another season in high school. So we'll see how he grows from there. But I, I, I think that this was a phenomenal pickup for Forbes. I mean, this was one that really has tried to solidify that it really did solidify that his message is working. I mean, yeah, Wake hasn't made the tournament in the three years that he's been here. But I think that he what he's done in terms of offense is really encouraging. And I think recruits are finally healthy and are finally okay enough saying, hey, we'll we'll take a chance on this versus, you know, a, a team like a Tennessee that's was that's been in the NCAA tournament a few times. A team like Virginia Tech that just won the ACC tournament two years ago. Well, you know, last year. But yeah, so I think that this is a I think it's a monstrous pickup. I don't think that can be undersold. I don't think they're done in this class at all. I think there's still a couple more spots left, and we'll get to that in the mailbag for a little bit. But kudos to Forbes in this one. Worked his ass off, and he got his guy. So before we get into the mailbag, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. All right, let's pull from the mailbag. First question. Hey, Cam, let's just mention Forbes is going through tapes of players. The staff anticipated would enter the portal. How does the staff know who's going to enter the portal before they do? They're trying to get me in trouble. But in that jokingly, but in reality, the easiest way to, to say it is everyone's a gossip in the sports world. Not just because my job is dealing with the gossip, but look at it like this. 99.9% of people that enter the portal aren't doing that just on a whim the athlete is talking to their parents they're talking to their trainers they're talking to their friends they're talking to their high school coach to make sure they want to make sure that they're making the correct decision they have all the information they need and they say hey you know like you know maybe i'm missing something in terms of what coach is trying to tell me am i being wrong am i being too hot-headed what's going on here do i need to do i do i am i seeing the writing on the wall correctly like what's going on here and that's great that they're getting all this information but then that also, the more people you tell, the more often, the more likely it is that someone's going to spill the beans to someone else and say someone at, I don't know, let's go with Atlanta. Say someone in the heart of Atlanta, uh, you know, they, they play at Georgia Tech and, you know, they're, they're really just not feeling how things are going right now. 
or with with pastor before pastor got fired and they're like you know what i think after the season i'm, I'm just gonna hit a transfer and they're talking to their trainers their trainer just happens to have a connection with someone on steve forbes staff and goes hey such and such is looking to enter the transfer portal at the end of the year just wanted to give you a heads up in case you were interested in you can look you probably haven't looked at his film maybe you have maybe you haven't you may only just scouted him a little bit but hey give him a look and kind of go from there that's a big reason why a lot of these times that you'll see like all the this player has heard from this school and this school and all these different schools and half the time like half of those schools are just like checking in it's probably because they have a good relationship with their aau code their <laughs> team or a coach or someone that is related to that player and they're just checking in doing their due diligence it's not so much checking a box to be like hey like i'm just calling you because i have to but like hey they have a good relationship with either you or the people surrounding you and check in make sure you're good is there anything they can do to help you out to find a better landing spot point you in the right direction and go from there the weird part about all of this, and this is one I was going to spend a little bit more time on just because I saw it, I think it, it leads to an interesting discussion, is the tampering period. And I, and I think there are there are definitely a lot of examples of obvious tampering where a, a coach or someone gets into someone's ear and goes, hey, you, you can have a spot on this team if you just enter the portal, we'll offer you X, Y, Z. And I think that should be vehemently illegal and is is legal. But Look at it this way in football. Billy Edwards, former quarterback at Wake Forest, now now quarterback at the University of Maryland. It is technically against NCAA rules for him at Thanksgiving dinner to sit here and talk about like transferring and all the stuff with his brother because his brother is an assistant on the University of Maryland coaching staff. And so in theory, that could be offered up as tampering, but it's like, am I supposed to just not talk to my brother about this? Am I not supposed to talk to my family about this? Like, And, you know, that's where kind of some of the gray lines go. I mean, I, I don't think that, I don't think that Billy's brother sat there and was like, hey, come to Maryland. We've got an open spot with you. I think he genuinely talked to his brother and that's could have been an easy way for Maryland to be like, oh, we kind of do need a quarterback. Um, and his brother said he's going to the portal. We're not going to guarantee him a spot, but we can look at him. And that's that's fine. That's how the world works. Like, I, don't, I don't think that's tampering at all. I don't think it's tampering at all for someone's trainer to go like, hey, some this, this shooting guard is entering the portal at the end of the year. You know, he kind of shut things down six, seven games in the season because he was injured, was maybe going to the portal anyway. He's going to the portal, just letting you know. You're not forcing anyone's hand. You're not sitting here saying, I'm going to guarantee you a spot. You're not forcing him to transfer. You're not saying, hey, come transfer here. But people are just gossipers. And that's just kind of how it is. You can't, you really can't stop people from being like, hey, such and such. I know this. Like, if I have made a good relationship with you and a lot of and recruiting is a lot of relationships. Yeah, one of the best recruiters have are people that have a Rolodex, people they can call up and ask for a favor and or get advice from them on anything. And if you have a good relationship with people, people are going to tell you things. And, you know, you use that information, how you go. Maybe you'll pursue the kid. Maybe you won't. And you kind of go from there. So, yeah, that's a little insight of just how do staffs know about people entering the portal before they do. Just everyone gossips. Are you more optimistic about football or basketball in the next three years and why? Question number two of trying to get me in trouble with the coach. <laughs> um, 
Ugh. My knee-jerk reaction is basketball, but let me pull up the schedule for Wake Forest in 2025, just because I want to I want to make sure that I'm thinking about this correctly. Okay, so looking through the schedule right now, I probably still lean basketball. And here's my kind of outlook on, I guess, on both of them. For basketball, I think that Steve Forbes has identified this year, his upcoming year, as one where he can say, we're going to put all the chips in to try and get to the tournament and make some noise this year. And I think there's a very good reason for that. I think you return guys like Andrew Carr, you return Atuka, you return Cam Hildreth, you return Bobby Clintman. Damari's injured, but you, uh, you'll get him back, I, I would assume, around late November, around December, when he will be fully back. I think at six to eight months. That happened in what, February? I think October will be cleared. And then by the time you think he's actually fully ready to, I think he'll probably play before December, but I think in terms of him being back to who he is, give him a couple months of being able to ramp up. Like it's bad injury. Let's, let's let him, let him do that. But you return a healthy amount of your team. You've added Boopy Miller, who I think is going to be, I don't, I don't want to say Apple 2.0, but the play style is very similar. So I think they, they went out and got him and they, did wasted zero time with him with, with messing around with that one. So they knew what they wanted there. And the way Forbes is done with guards, I have no reason to not trust that. Um, and I think the next couple of spots are going to be high impact sort of grad transfers. I think they want to, I think they want to still have their flexibility for the next couple of years, especially in terms of 2024 recruiting classes, both from the portal and for, high schoolers, but I think they are going to get some high impact guys that are probably grad transfers at those two spots at the wing and, and at, at a center. So, so yeah, so I, I think that they make the tournament this, this upcoming year. And then I think from there, it's just a kind of retooling and being like, Hey, let's, let's keep doing this, keep doing this. And I think it's a lot easier to retool that and be, you know, make the tournament two, two or three, two out of the three years than it is to retool a football team. So that's kind of why like, I look at Wake Forest, and I think that this year for Wake is going to be some four to five win team. I think their over under is going to be at seven and a half, probably juiced to the under, probably like minus one forty on the under, and we go from there. They probably they probably win eight nine games like they do every year at this point. It's like clockwork, but I think this year won't, won't be a year that they're sitting there, you know, competing for an AC title. Which and if they do even better but you know just on paper right now we'll we'll see when we get there i think the 2024 season is one where you get extremely bullish about week especially if they return the right people i think guys like a jamal banks i think jamal banks is like gone after this year i think if you if you had jamal banks has a season he is supposed to have this year gone same thing same thing with donovan green gone uh, but i mean Horatio Fields, I think when he gets back from his injury, he's going to be good. Wesley Grimes has looked great in practice from what I've heard. Walker Merrill, a little tidbit on him. Uh, him coming into school, they really liked him out of high school. They really liked him when he hit the portal. The biggest thing from him has been he's been an athlete trying to learn wide receiver. Didn't really have to learn that at his high school in Tennessee. He was just more athletic than everyone else. At, um, at actual Tennessee when he got into college, 
I think one of the reasons that he wasn't necessarily on the field as much was because he still had to learn how to be an actual wide receiver. I don't think Tennessee does necessarily a great job of that. I mean, if you look at their guys, a lot of their guys aren't necessarily polished in terms of like route running. They're more of a either getting schemed open or just going to be flat out more athletic than you, which there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're trying to be a developmental receiver, might not be the best place for you. And so with Walker, him coming in the wake, and this is why I've heard there's been a lot of good about him. And again, it's still early, but he's made progress as a wide receiver underneath um, the new coach, Coach Professor. He's learning to catch the ball with his hands, not his chest. That was a big, that one of the things I, I didn't like about him coming out of school was the fact that he just, he chest caught everything. And he's been better about catching with his hands and actually being diligent and running his routes and actually being a, a good blocker. Like he's been taking advantage of these lessons and really starting to parlay that into being an actual wide receiver. So I'm really intrigued to see what he looks like and come full speed and everything, but it's been encouraging there. But yeah, so I think 2024, and you look at the schedule about 2024, and that's why I'm bullish about them there. It's North Carolina anti at home, Ole Miss at home, UConn at home, Army at the road, stop playing that game. NC State on the road, Boston College on the road, Georgia Tech on the road, UVA on the road, and then hosting Duke, Louisville, Miami, Virginia Tech. There's not a single game on that schedule right now that I would go, oh, that's like a, they're going to be like a 10 to 14 point dog. Granted, it is a year and a half away at this point, but you know, you don't, you're not playing a resurgent FSU. You're not playing a resurgent, you're not playing Clemson. You're not playing even UNC. Like, I don't think they'd be a 10 point dollar UNC, but you're not playing these teams that are your constant ACC like title contenders. You're playing, I mean, Ole Miss is probably going to be a team that you, it's probably going to be the, te- the game that you're least favored in, probably the biggest dog in either that or NC State on the road. But you've played well against NC State. You, Miami doesn't look good. And I don't know if there's any, not that there's not any hope, but Miami just, there's nothing that gives me hope right now with Miami. Like, I, I don't like, I don't think Mario's a good, that good of a coach. Virginia Tech's in a rebuild, still in rebuilding. We'll see what they look like this year. Louisville has Brian has, uh, has a new head coach. We'll see what they look like. Uh, Duke looked great year one. Let's see what they look like year two. I'm not a huge fan of one year sample sizes, both good and bad. Just don't like one year sample sizes in terms of evaluating a coach in a program. I think it's bad. UVA on the earth, maybe they get better this year. Tony Musket looks really good, but eh, we'll see. Georgia Tech, we'll we'll see there as well. So there's just not a game there. Then 2025, it's hard. I think it's a lot easier for me to project out three years and three years ahead for basketball, especially with you just having to get less people than it is for me to project three years out for football. And I think that's why I'm a little more bullish on basketball. Dave Lawson, I love you. Win the national title in 2024, 2025, and shut me up. Really appreciate it. Next question from the mailbag. Let's see. Let's see if we can get a good one here. Um, of course, this is crashing right now. But oh, okay, I think this one is actually a good one. Among three games where Wake will certainly be underdogs next year in football, Clemson and Florida State and Notre Dame, which game do you think will have the best chance of winning and why? Ugh. I don't think FSU is a well, – okay, well, I guess in the frame of the question, I would probably rank it FSU, Notre Dame, Clemson. 
Clemson with the new offensive system scares me. Very much scares me. I think Wake is going to get up for that Notre Dame game. From what I've talked to people about, I understand, you know, it's a road game. It's a senior day at Notre Dame, whatever. I think there is going to be some juice in that Wake Notre Dame game. And I don't think it comes from the Notre Dame side of things. I think there is going to be some, I don't think there's any sort of ill will or anything. I know there's not any ill will from the program towards Sam Hartman or the players towards Sam Hartman. Do what you do, go get your bag, whatever. But I think the thought of playing against Sam and knowing what he's capable of, both good and bad, I think definitely Jazz is, I think there's definitely ways that they think there's going to be some opportunities against him. And I think they're going to come up there and play with some extra juice. I'm not as high enough on FSU this year. I think if FSU's win total was at 10 and a half, I am slamming the under. I, I think it's going to be, the, I think they're going to be a good team this year, but I think it's going to be an interesting experiment in what is the real FSU? Because last year we saw them beat LSU in the first game of the season on some kind of wacky stuff. And not, it's not, it's not devaluing the win. They did, they did well. They, they won the game. It is hard to win games. I have sat there and argued this. It is hard to win games, but it's, so after that, and after they beat, I believe it was Duquesne, they lost three in a row in terms of losing to Wake and Clemson and NC State and NC State without Devin Leary, which, you know, no shame in that. But they lost three in a row there. And then rattled off the second half of their of their season, which is why people are all really, you know, super high on them. But let's look at who they played in the latter half of the season. You know, okay, so yes, yeah, so let's look at the schedule. So they played Duquesne first. Uh, they played LSU. Great. They beat Louisville in a game that was hilarious. And I was fully on FSU. And I was like, I don't deserve this win at all. Beat Boston College. Great. And then lost to Wake, lost to NC State, lost to Clemson. Then your second half of the schedule, you beat Georgia Tech, who was a dumpster fire last year. Miami, who was a dumpster fire last year. Syracuse, after who was a dumpster fire once the injury started piling up and they really just didn't have anything. I think they played that game without um they played the game like pretty hurt i'm pretty sure louisiana who wasn't good florida who was a dumpster fire and oklahoma who wasn't really that good last year who got into the cheese at bowl just because they needed a big 12 team to put in there so i think it's going to be an interesting experiment yeah oklahoma was six and six going into that game and made the and made the cheese at bowl just think just think about that from a Perspective like a, a nine and three ACC team was playing a six and six Big Twelve team, uh, soon to be SEC team. I I am really 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 intrigued just to see what the real FSU. I think they did well in the. I really like what they did in the portal. I think their high school class is good, but it's an interesting thought experiment to say you know how much of doing what they did was beating crappy teams and how much was. Was it actually being just becoming a better team and not being as injured? And they they were a bit injured throughout that first stretch, but I mean, you got to win. And I mean, their schedule isn't exactly tough this year. LSU, Southern Miss, Boston College on the road, Clemson on the road, Virginia Tech at home, Hughes at home, Duke at home, go to Winston Salem, to Pitt, host Miami, North Alabama, and then go to Gainesville. I mean. 
it's I, it sets up to be another year. I feel like that, like they could win nine or 10 games and it's like, okay, cool. And then you lose to like, you know, if you win nine games, excuse me, and you lose to like LSU and Clemson and Wake and everyone's like, ah, that makes sense. Pre, like pre-flop and post-flop, that makes a lot of sense. Like they lost to the three better teams on their schedule. Oops. That, that Yeah, so I, I'm not really as scared of FSU. Maybe after spring and after, you know, some fall camps, it will be. Not really as scared about them right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Going back to the mailbag. Which younger player on the defensive side of the ball should be most excited about for next year's football team? Oof. So I'm going to take this in two different directions. One of them being young in terms of hasn't played a lot of games. One of them being young as a true freshman. So it's hard with the whole, with the true freshman part of it, because there are guys like a, like a Jaquez, Jaquez uh, Keys, who they got late in the cycle. You know, he was labeled as a running back, but they liked him as a linebacker. He is, that kid is a bowling ball. If he, if he comes in ready, he's ready. Same with Rashawn Tung. Kind of wish Rashawn Tung would have been here a bit earlier, but oh well. For the freshman, I'm going to go with Devon Patterson. I think Devon is going to be a very good player. He's already gotten shoutouts in terms of the, the uh, winter workouts. He apparently performed very well there. He's been he's made some appearances in a couple different practices. I think last I think his last practice he had uh, or the practice rather he had two picks. Like I think he's got a nose for the ball. He is a very solid tackler. I still think he might end up as a linebacker in the coming years, but and he's in a very crowded room. But this kid could end up being on special teams and burning his red shirt because this this kid's good. I think I think he's good. In terms of someone who hasn't played a whole lot, I'm gonna stick in the. I'm gonna give one on each side of the ball because I think that one's fair. I think Horatio Fields is going to be a. Dude, when he gets back from his injury, I think that kid is going to be an absolute dude. And on the other side, the easy answer is probably Deshaun Jones. Uh, I'm going to go with Jamari Glasker. I think he's got, he's the same, similar short size. They're both like 6'1-ish. Jamari is long. He can run. His hips move like no one's business. Like he, he's a fluid kid. And I think it's good if he can stay healthy and they were really, really upset that he got help that injury last year. If he can stay healthy, I think once he gets more and more reps, more reps, these scrimmages are going to keep helping him more and more. He's going to be a guy that's going to be in the rotation coming the year. So I think Deshaun and, and Jamari on that corner would be my answers there. Without a cap on incoming classes, the recruiting philosophy to open the fill up and scholarship with high school players and then any transfer outs are replaced with transfer in. Or do you intentionally look for certain positions in the portal since, for example, they had defensive tackle with Fox and Turner? Um, it depends on the staff for the wake. You always hold a couple scholarships for the portal. You, I mean, and it, it's pretty much for that's, that's the golden rule right now for most programs, but there's only so many high schools you can take. And yes, you want to be a development program, but you still have to win year to year. And I think at, at places like defensive tackle and linebacker and offensive line, well, defensive, really the entire defensive line, linebacker and offensive line it's like if i can go get a proven guy there doing it i don't i'd almost put corner in that especially if it's a nickel if you can see it see a good nickel then i am i'm great for that but it's it's it just kind of really depends on the program and in the in the position because i think a lot of times people go like man you know we need a we need a backup quarterback or we need a quarterback in general let's just look through the, the quarterbacks really quickly <laughs> It, I, because this thought of the, the experiment of, of 
quarterbacks in the portal is not exactly great. A, quarterbacks aren't going to the portal to be backups. B, they're probably going there for because they think they need to move up a level. Or C, they're probably just not that good. Uh, if you look at you know the top quarterbacks in the portal this year, you've got Sam Hartman, knew where he was going. Devin Leary, is Devin Leary good? Hudson Card, is Hudson Card good? Shadur Sanders is always going to go to Colorado and follow his dad. Colin Schley, I love him from, from Kent State, went to UCLA. Don't know if he'll be any good. Walker Howard was a true freshman last year. No idea if he'll be good. Brennan Armstrong, I don't think Brennan Armstrong's good. I didn't think he was good before last year's awful performance. I thought he's just someone that threw the ball 60 times a game. Tanner Mordecai is fine. Maybe he works well in that offense. I mean, that offense with uh, their offensive coordinator is pretty has a pretty wide open system. Some we've seen what UNC's done in the last few years. So maybe DJU, you hinging your are you hinging your season on DJU? I'm not. Ole Miss brought in two different quarterbacks, so they brought in Walker Howard and Spencer Sanders. I don't. That pretty much tells you what you have to see about this. Sam Jackson, I think, might be fine. I don't think he's gotten a lot of playtime, though. Graham Mertz can't complete passes down the field right now in spring camp, by the way. So think about that for Florida. Jeff Sims has been up and down. Is that more of a thing of where he's been at? And I'm not going to go through all of these, but Keaton Slovis wasn't good. Tony Muscat, I've heard he's been fine. I've heard he's been actually more than fine in practice, but we'll see there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like, I don't know. We will, we'll see, but I mean, there are certain positions that you're like, we got to go high school with and just regardless they're young or not, we'll go to high school and we'll figure it out. And there's some positions like a defensive tackle where, or a defensive end that you're like, okay, cool. I, I can get as many people in as possible and then go from there. I think Wake did, Wake pretty much showed that in this last cycle of defensive linemen. So in their last cycle, they had five defensive linemen committed. Uh, ended up being four when Sam Williams decommitted and went to Missouri. But they have an edge in Carrington Lee, two defensive tackles in Chris Marable and in Kashawn Thomas, and then another edge in Tyler Walton. And yet they're going to take five and they were still going to take a defensive tackle. So they, they were going to take a, a DT in general. And I think with when they lost Sam Williams, that made them a little more like, okay, cool, fine. We'll just go to the portal again. So I think a part of it also is just timing. If they had lost Sam Williams earlier in the, in earlier in the, in the cycle, I think they would have maybe replaced them with the guy who was higher on their board on the defensive line. But timing also plays a huge role in that. Do, 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 do. In your opinion, what's the portal strategy? In your opinion, what is the portal strategy for basketball in times in, terms of what type of guys which should be getting to finish putting together a roster for next season and he goes on to follow up and say when i say type of guys we all know wings and big but maybe so which those guys be best at to help help the team like what role should they play um i think at the big it's not going to be a guy that's going to be a seven footer i just don't think that's gonna don't think that's plausible i think every seven footer is going to be is going to go to a, a blue blood or they're just not good so I think at center, you probably end up with a guy who's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, six, 240. That is an absolute hoss defensively and takes a little bit of a brunt off Carr. I think Carr is one of their best defenders, not the not their best defender, 
but I think he can get a little bit overmatched against some bigger fives that they have that that are that they'll play against in the they'll play against in the ACC. But I think having a guy that can really stop the bowling down there from happening, and then also moves Carr to a traditional four, where you're like, oh, now I got to actually figure out how does my four figure out how how's my four figure out how to, how to guard Andrew Carr. That's going to be a problem because. I think Carr is, especially when he's healthy, is, is a good shooter from the outside. He's got some nice touch down low, but I think he's playing out of position just a little bit. So I think having, you know, your six eight six nine kind of bruiser down there is going to be important. The wing, BPA, just who's the best person you can get. They need to be a, they need to be a good shooter. I think Wake definitely suffered at the end of this year when Damari went down. I mean, it, he kind of masked something that was happening all year of, Ty would shoot, but he wasn't, he was I mean, sitting around you know, low thirties. Cam wouldn't really shoot. Bobby wouldn't really shoot. Like their car would shoot here and there, but like there wasn't really anyone else really on the team that was making or taking threes at a certain point. Davian would, would catch and shoot. So he was there, but you, you really just didn't have a presence that scared people from the outside. And I think having, if they get it, when they get a wing, I mean, a guy who is a lethal threat from the outside, really at every level, but especially like isn't a liability shooting from the outside is definitely something that they're going to look for. And I think would help this team tremendously moving on to next year. How is the new wide receiver coach blending with the team slash staff? Absolutely great. I've heard this dude has an infectious personality from what I've heard. Everyone has loved him. There is a reason why they went with him. Like I don't know if, if you haven't read the articles or anything, but or the interviews with Dave Cawson, they brought in a few of the wide receivers to interview him as well as that, as well as a guy like Warren Ruggiero, because they want to see if how he would blend with the team and they really enjoy the conversations with them. And it's starting to prove very well. I think, you know, there's still some learning curves with them. He's young and that's just going to be with everyone. There's, there's learning curves with James Adams. Like you have that when you're dealing with young people, but kind of is what it is. So I, I I I like the pickup when it happened. I think right now it's good, but I mean, it's storage out, but he's blending pretty well. Do you expect anyone else on the basketball team to hit the transfer portal? I don't. Doesn't mean someone can't. I think, you know, I think they're reaching out to people in case another person does, but I I don't see it. Doesn't really make sense to me, but it could. Uh, heard any updates about Jao Tuka? Will he participate in spring summer workouts? I have not asked around on that. I assumed he'd be ready for summer workouts. I'm, I was pretty sure he's going to be, but I will double check on that. But I haven't fully clarified that. And last, not least, saw a tweet saying Livia Samuel is in the portal. Cam Hilder's going to follow her. Might be a joke one, might not be a joke one. Yes, Samuel's in the in the portal. Cam is fine. They do a cross conduct relationship for months. I he's 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 fine. Thank you all so much for your support. Really, really like doing these. I'm glad these make you guys happy. And as always, go Deeks.